Hey everyone, this is Tyler Byrne with Lo-Fi On today's episode, I chatted with Tim Carter from Syracuse, New York, originally born in uh, Vermont, and then ended up moving to Tulsa to teach at Will Rogers uh, Middle School. Very cool conversation. Right now, he is uh, he's a poet, he's a teacher. He teaches poetry and creative writing down in Syracuse. You can go out, go buy The Pigs. It is a uh, long poem, a short long poem, only 14 pages. It's a pretty cool little poem. And a lot of the stuff that we discussed is actually in the book. That's the whole point of talking to him. That's what you're about to hear. So everyone have a good day. I'll see you guys later. And I don't know. I don't think I should add. It was just, it was a great conversation. As many of my conversations are. Also, we're doing a reading next week, but I'm sure by the time you guys hear this, the reading may be over. It's more than likely that we've already had the reading. I just realized there's an illustration in this in the very back of the book. Anyways, we'll see you guys later. Actually, he has two books. Tim Carter has another book called The Remains that you guys should go check out. All right. That's it. Bye. I bought the This Land Press magazine. I was going to show it to you, and I can't find it right now. Oh, oh, cool. But I noticed I would notice in that issue you were also published along with uh, JP Brammer. JP Brammer. I don't I don't think I know them. He is a like gay columnist and I think he made it famous over the last ten years. Pretty interesting stuff. Anyways, was that your first publication? Uh I think it was. Uh and I'm I'm I think I remember that the guy's name was Scott, um, but uh, I don't remember really that well. It it was an early publication. Yeah, it was like in 2014, I think. Yeah, yeah. And did, were you living in Tulsa? I was living in Tulsa. Uh, I was working as a public school teacher, and I think I got wrapped up with This Land Press. Um, through something called Louder Than a Bomb, which um, started in Tulsa when I was there. Uh, it originally is from Chicago, but um, Tulsa was like the first outbranch city. So the first city that did programming for Louder Than a Bomb. And that was like a speaking series for people to go and like, was that a slam, a poetry slam? It's a youth, it's a youth slam poetry mm-hmm. competition. So I was a, like, I was like a public school, uh, or I was a poetry coach for my school and oh, cool. we had a team and, uh, they competed against all the other teams in Tulsa. Did you win? Uh, we had a great, we had a great team and some of the individual poets did really well. Um, and you know, we would go each year, at least two years, we went to Chicago to just be part of the, LTAB Chicago thing. Uh, mm-hmm. we, you know, it's much bigger because they had been going for like 14 years before. So how did you, were you always interested in poetry? Oh, yeah. Um, I think I started writing poetry and getting interested in it uh, at some point in middle school. I want to say. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's what you, you in your, in your, in the pigs, that's what you kind of talk about is uh, starting at middle school. Yeah. And the interesting thing is with your poem, kind of reminds me of like poets I've heard like C.D. Wright where they take like things from news clippings and they put them in the poems. And it seems like you kind of do that too. Because yeah. like the part right. where you talk about middle school, it kind of, you zoom in, you talk maybe about the speaker talks about their experiences and then it zooms out and talks about some things going on in the nation and then it zooms back in. Was that yeah. intentional? 
Well, I really, uh, I really like C.D. Wright's book, One Big Self. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I taught it in a book or a, in a class called Documentary Poetry. So I, I, that is an interest of mine. I'm, my first book, Remains, is more, more similar, I think, to C.D. Wright's uh, work, like um, working with photographs, working through uh, stories told to you by other people interviews um yeah so your first when did your first book come out uh there's kind of two answers to that question but uh it won an award through so the first book is remains and it won an award um through boat press in 2019 and then uh the press shut down and just last year 2022 it got republished with Tiger Bark Press. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's got to be cool when your book gets like republished. It was a gift. <laughs> um, I, no. I had, I didn't really know what to do with it. And I was feeling honestly quite jaded about how everything happened with, with boat press and not really like, I didn't have any copies of it. So I couldn't, Maybe I, I didn't feel like I could do a reading mm-hmm. or talk about it with other people. I was just sharing it electronically, like yeah, for free with a PDF. Uh, Why did you feel jaded? Like were they too small, and you felt like they weren't? You didn't sell enough copies. Um, it it uh, the press ended in a way that um, I didn't really agree with. Uh, was it controversial? It, it didn't feel it didn't feel good yeah we're i guess we're getting right into like a uh a, a thing um he he ended like he ended the press in my opinion without telling anybody and oh. selling books and um you know that didn't feel right to me and it was very difficult to get my books back or even to like get in touch with him um What's his name? Uh, Sean. Okay. I, I don't. I'm okay with it now. Like it's because the book has a home, and um, you know it's been a few years now, so I'm not. I'm not like I tell it as a sort of like this was a crazy, fucked up thing that happened. Yeah. I hope it doesn't happen at other presses to other people. Um, I wish it had happened another way, but, uh, you know, it did, it did, I guess, as they say, work out in the end. It sounds a little bit similar to the, what happened with Bear Creek where this guy, he just like, was like, I'm depressed. I'm don't contact me. And then he just like, wouldn't contact anyone and no one knows what, what happened to him. And like, he was supposed to come out with all these new books that everyone was excited for. It was like a month away. Damn. Yeah. So, so you're saying if there's a press out there and they're they're going to close up to tell the authors? Uh, that seems like a basic. <laughs> yeah. Step one, like if you're not going to make money on the books anymore, and you have them, mm-hmm. share them with the po- the poets. Like I think especially because um, no one's making a lot of money doing this, and you know small press stuff. No one's making a lot of money. And it means a lot to the writers. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, let them do it on their own. Uh, yeah. So are you happy with Dead, Dead Mall Press? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm happy with Tiger Bark Press, too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and um, the the editor or the publisher of Tiger Bark, um, I, I work with him in another capacity in Syracuse. And... You know, I think I was helping him out in a way, and he, he was helping me out for sure, uh, um, offering to publish the book again. Uh, and, you know, it's a local Syracuse press. Uh, mm-hmm. Dead, Dead Mall has been wonderful. Uh, we just did a reading last Friday, like a little video thing, and it, that was really nice. Um, yeah, I've just been very, very impressed with the book and, and how... Matt um, has handled it so far. Yeah. Did you do a reading last night with like Rochelle and uh, mm. Julie? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, I invited them down to Syracuse. We have um, our, our friend uh, Liz has a wonderful backyard. Um, we had just like a few weeks earlier hosted a shabby dollhouse and, you know, doing um, Caroline and uh, let's see who else. Oscar um, was there, um, but Lucy read and so did Caroline. And it was just great. They were, they were on a little book tour. And then we wanted to do something again in the backyard because it was, it was so nice. Mm-hmm. So I invited Rochelle and I invited some, some folks down and uh, just good vibes all around. Beautiful weather. Did you and Caroline like talk about long poems since you guys both wrote like a long poem book? We didn't really get the chance to. Uh, I'm very glad to be, you know, more uh, entangled with everybody mm-hmm. now. Um you know, and just kind of widening my circle of friends, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get to like talk really about. about so, so why the long poem? Why, why choose the form of the long poem for this book? Nice question. Uh, I, well, my, the first thing that comes to mind is A.R. Ammons, who, you know, is a, or was a local poet in Ithaca for a long time, a big influence on me. I really love Garbage, uh, his his books. And he does the long poem really well, and he did it for a number of different books. And so I finished Remains, which was one kind of discrete project for me, and I wanted to write this next thing which became the pigs. And I wanted to just, I wanted to write a long poem. I wanted to see if I could do it and I wanted to see what it felt like doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it ended up being much shorter than I initially intended, but it was still a long uh, experiment. So what did you take out of like writing it as opposed to writing a shorter poems or sh- regular poems? Well, um, one thing I think I was thinking about was how one thing I kept coming back to in, in talking about garbage with other people, uh, was how it seems almost silly to say, but it's like, it's so long, you can't read it in one sitting. And so as a poem there's a like a slowness to reading poetry and there's a um you know an intimacy of reading poetry and then there's a way for me that reading a long poem like you can't take it all in at once Mm -hmm. and you have to have you have to take breaks um unless you're one of those people who like read an entire book in a night which i definitely don't do uh, it sort of defeats you in a way and you have to come back to it. And when you do come back to the poem, you're a little different uh, and maybe you don't remember everything. <laughs> uh, and so there's this process of rereading and re-experiencing a long poem that is different from reading, say, a collection of short poems over again. Um, so I guess I was interested in how the poem sort of uh, is larger than the reader in some ways and trying to do that, but make it sustainable, make it still interesting. Yeah. What I liked about this book, I thought like, Oh, this isn't, it's not too long. I could sit down and read the whole thing. I thought that was nice. So it's like a, a short long poem. Yeah. Ironically, like we're talking about a long poem and it's like not a long poem. It's a, it's a short, it's yeah. a short, long poem <laughs> but like when you were writing it what what this is the pro the did your brain was it different than writing like shorter poems i guess just the process of because you talked about the process of reading it but what about the process of like writing it was it more difficult or was the challenges in that uh it was very hard um and you know it and it, it started out being much larger like over a hundred pages. Whoa. 
like, yeah, like, you know, and a lot of it was um, kind of crap. <laughs> and, and like the, so the first draft was, I think like 130 pages. And it really was me like trying to find something that worked, like something that could be sort of at the center of the poem and the rest of the poem could revolve around or like something that could hold it together. And so I was just writing like pages of stuff. And then I started again at the beginning and was just kind of like gradually revising out all this stuff as, as I clarified what I wanted to say or what was interesting me. Um, and then gradually, like it just kept getting more and more, I guess, condensed and focused. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, but it was really hard. It, it was a new style of writing that I didn't feel I'd done before. And so that was kind of gratifying to get through it. So with your first book in this book, when you go to a poetry book, do you go like, I'm going to write a book or do you just, I mean, I guess with this one you would have, but when you're regular writing poetry, do you just, I don't know, do you like send it into magazines and stuff? I don't know if that's a great question. I didn't send, I didn't send the pigs to many places at all. Yeah. I think. Peach, I think Peach Mag was the only place that I sent the pigs and it was at the very end of the process mm -hmm. um, when I was kind of done generating it and writing more and um, had revised it a lot, um, which was, which is definitely different than with Remains. Both are kind of project books. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so Remains is about my mother's life and the kind of ways that me and other people who knew her remembered who remembered her that and the the artifacts and photographs that we have mm -hmm. so you know that's composed of smaller prose poems which were certainly easier to send out to places um and so that was that kind of um you know, consumed me for a long time of submitting to, to different places and um, trying to get as many poems in the book out there. Uh, and then the pigs was kind of different. I, I didn't quite know, like, it didn't feel right to chop a part of the poem and like kind of cut it off and then send it out somewhere. I felt I always had to contextualize it. Like, well, this is part of a longer thing that I'm not giving you. Yeah but just like, trust me that it keeps going. It, it felt weird. So I also like, so I also liked in the book, there's like poems within the margins. And it seems like there's, there's this own poem going on as opposite from the main poem. You talk about, about what your interest in that is. So, yeah. Those, those margin notes. Um, yeah. Those are, uh, it's sort of, I guess an erasure of the quotes that are in the back of the book, you know, I give more context of those, you know, there's, there's some sentences running along in the margin of the book. And then those words are from these larger chunks of text from these different books. There's a, um, Adriana Cabrero, uh, book and Lynn Higinian's essays, um, Morris Callan, who was someone I kind of discovered while going through all those early drafts, just reading a lot. Um, you know, it, it, it sort of, it feels to me like the way I was choosing the, the quotes, I guess, was seeing it as some sort of erasure of those larger texts and then finding ways that it connected to what I was writing about. Yeah. So you're back. So I want to go back to your beginning when you're in you're in middle school and you're writing poetry. Did you decide? Did you major when you went to college? Were you majoring in creative writing? Yeah, yeah. Um, creative writing and philosophy and education. Whoa, that's a cool mix. Very yeah. like specific. It seems like you know what you knew what you wanted to do. 
Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> I was sort of a single single track. Did you have friends that you were majoring with with this interest in poetry? Or was it just like you yourself going for um, I I had I definitely had some friends in undergrad who um I was writing along with and sharing a lot. Uh, we ran like a little um, literary magazine at the college and sort of learned how to do that. We, we tried to put on little events. Um, and then, you know, I was also doing, uh, going through the teaching program, which was a lot of time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think my, my greatest friend from undergrad was, um, a person named Carl Parker, who uh, I talk about a lot at my readings. He was actually my poetry professor and Whoa. we became friends, um, more like mentors. He was my teacher. I was learning a lot from him. I wanted to just hang out with him after class when he was smoking and, you know, I would just talk with him and kind of share with him some ideas of stuff I just read. And then he, you know, point me in another direction or give me a book or like he, he just kind of drove me on and um, you know, he left the college uh, and we sort of fell out of touch. But then when I moved to Tulsa and was, was teaching, we, we started emailing. It's a long history. Uh, you know, over 10 years, we got back in touch when I went back to Syracuse and we were actually colleagues teaching writing in the community. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you were you were living in New York and you moved to Tulsa because you got because you got a job here. I did, yeah, and I I would love to talk about Tulsa with you, because um, I haven't been there in a in a long time. Um, I was part of Teach for America, which is okay. why I ended up ended up being there, and I don't even know if it's still going on in the city. I think they do. I'm not sure. Wow. I know they used to went out like ten years ago. They used to have a program where a lot of my peers went into yeah i mean 10 years ago that was around the time when i was there yeah <laughs> uh, so wait you how long were you here for i was here for three years three years wow and, and then you moved back to new york yeah yeah i so i got into the um mfa program at syracuse and moved back to uh this area yeah so how long were you a teacher? Were you a teacher for three years? Were you the same at the same place? Yep. Yep. What did you teach? I taught at Will Rogers. Junior. Okay. How, how was that? Well, I was a, I was a middle school teacher uh, and I was teaching reading. And then I was a poetry coach with, you know, the slam poets at the high school. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really great. I lived like right near, I lived right near the school, like on Fourth uh, and Lewis, I think, or Sixth and Lewis. Okay, that's out there. Yeah, uh, but it was a really great time, and the the students and the places and the things I saw, like a lot of those are in the pigs, like mm -hmm. you know stuff about the bathroom and the um, you know just things I would see walking home from school or bringing a, you know, a student to a poetry event or something like that. Yeah. Can you detail one of those? Um, yeah. The, so the, you know, <laughs> let's see the flickering fluorescent promise. I remember like the, um, the bathroom not having a door on it because uh, it had been like damaged, ripped off. Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, and I remember like bringing a student home uh, and him like pointing out things about his neighborhood. And, you know, this is where like a triple homicide happened. Whoa. You know, just like last week, this is right over there by that like auto body shop. It's like, mm -hmm. um, just, you know, these, the book is full of the, those little moments that have just kind of stuck with me as a, as a teacher over the years. Do you think you'd ever come back to Tulsa? I would love to. I yeah. would love to. A friend of mine just 
is traveling there. I think is there right now. Whoa! Um, and was asking me about like what should I do? <laughs> Where should I go? I didn't. I had all these ideas of like, hey, you should go to this spot or this spot. But uh, I expect it's changed. Uh, yeah, where where did you go to like hang out? Well, I I uh, I also play ultimate frisbee, um, which I do um, outside of writing and, and teaching, and my work in schools. And so in Tulsa, I would go with, you know, I, that was my community. I would spend a lot of time with them. And let's see. We went to a lot of spots, but uh, I remember the Sound Pony fondly. Is that still a place? I think so. Is that downtown? It's downtown. It's uh, I don't remember what street it's on, but oh, did you ever go to Riverside? They have like a ultimate yep. frisbee thing down there. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, we just had a huge storm. It wasn't like a storm; but it was like a hundred mile per hour winds. So, like all these trees and all the neighborhoods were just like. All these limbs were knocked down, and now there's all these like dead trees along the sides of the roads. Where everyone like piled up all their trees, and we got to wait for the city to like drive them out somewhere to get rid of them. Wow! Yeah, the, the electricity was knocked out for like a week. Like ours was only knocked out for a few days, but it was hell. A week? Yeah, it was a week for like the ma- majority of Tulsa. Wow! It was, like two hundred thousand people. That's yeah. a huge, that's a major thing. That, yeah, it was a huge incredible. deal. Oh my God. Did you ever experience any tornadoes down here? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think my final year that I was living in Tulsa, there was, there was a huge tornado that came right across downtown and you know, it was, it was the first big one. Um, you know, I, I'd experienced a number of smaller storms and Mm -hmm. I sort of had an idea of what it, was and we'd go to this little bar called the cellar dweller mm-hmm. like right before i don't know if that's still around either i uh, think these names are familiar so they may or may not be yeah it's in the basement so we yeah. were like oh storm's coming i'll meet you at the cellar dweller <laughs> yeah and, um you know but they never really were like the big one um finally year that i was living there i i saw like dumpsters moving and <laughs> oh yeah flying around it seemed it was it was terrifying i think i remember that i know i think i know what storm you're talking about because i was driving back from downtown and like people i was driving through a neighborhood and people's like trash cans were like set up along you know their driveways for the trash people and they were like they're like popping out like confetti yeah it was pretty cool but it was pretty wild yeah You're driving driving like, away from destroyed and scattered all over the street yeah, and like the skies were like turning green and shit. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Man. So so growing up in uh Syracuse, how's that? What's that like? Well, I, I didn't I didn't grow up in Syracuse. Oh um, I I uh grew up in Burlington, Vermont. Oh, okay. Which which also like is present in the book in in, in ways. Uh but yeah, I guess I've moved around a bit. I left Vermont to go to college. So what's, Vermont like? what's that what's vermont like vermont is is wonderful <laughs> i i uh, really enjoyed living there and growing up there remembering it as an adult i think growing up i had my own kind of problems that i was dealing with and like just being a teenager mm-hmm. uh i i didn't really appreciate it until I'd left, I guess. Like what problems were you dealing with? Well, the, like my mother dying when I was young. Um, and then, you know, growing up with my stepmom and, you know, my family, just a decade long period of trying to reconcile with that and, and deal with it. But I went to a great school. We lived in a beautiful place, like a beautiful town and um, moving away and kind of cooling off a little bit, changing. Then I could go back and see like, wow, really what a wonderful place I had, you know. So your family dealing with that were a lot of issues coming up with a lot of fights or infighting. Yeah, yeah, we we all um we all dealt with it differently. 
but it was I think it was very hard on on everybody. Um, lots of uh, middle middle and high school was a very you know chaotic and uh, damaging time for me and I think my siblings. Was your family like upset that you were going into poetry? Oh, no, no. Uh, okay. No, they uh, they supported it. They really, you know, my my dad and my stepmom were both very supportive of whatever we did. You know, okay. they didn't really push us in any direction. It wasn't like they wanted me to become an engineer or something like that. Or so you knew going into poetry that you had to have a like a a real job, I guess. So you went into teaching. Or like, did you always want to be a teacher? Um, I think as long as I wanted to be a, a, a poet, I also was interested in, in being a teacher as well. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what I was, where I was at at the end of high school. And you always wanted to teach like high school or did you have any specific goals, I guess, in that? I think I really wanted to teach college. Mm. Um, college students because uh, I had the idea at the time that uh, college students was where you could really get into ideas and you know talking about texts at a high level with college students mm -hmm. um, which isn't exactly true and uh, no it's not true it, you know and I was working with middle school students, you know, mm -hmm. all through getting my um, degree and like going through my teaching program, you know, I was teaching with middle school students and I just kind of came to love them, <laughs> you know, and, and really enjoy that age, uh, you know, so. Did you think you were going to resent it and then you came around to love it? I, I remember at Will Rogers, standing in the stairwell maybe a month into teaching and I call my dad <laughs> like I'm in between classes like mm -hmm. and I call my dad and I'm like dad I am so sorry of who I was when I was a middle school student you know when I was when I was 12 years old I'm so sorry <laughs> what do you say that were you like a hellion or something I was a, uh, I was a, I have the perception that I was a difficult kid, but maybe I wasn't. I was um, really impulsive and angry and lonely and violent. Um, I feel like you just described every like middle schooler. <sighs> so what do you mean violent? Like you got in fights? Uh, I fought a lot, um, you know, when I was a young and... I was scrappy and, you know, I'd get angry easily. And like when I was a, a younger kid, not really in middle school, but like I would make little weapons. I'd make little spears in the woods. Oh, shit, dude. You know, I'd, I'd like just sit there with a sharp rock and whittle away a, a spear. And That's know, pretty and, creative. Though. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if your mom like just passed away too, I could totally see that. About yeah. how that would like fucking affect someone, especially a middle schooler. Yeah, and and you know that, um, you know, seeing who I was to go back to the pigs, you know, and writing it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading all these reports and sometimes manifestos of school shooters, and kind of reading about. How how does one grow up and move and become closer to uh, or more extreme? I guess it, you know how did how does someone fall into uh, a network of extremists or or white power mm -hmm. um, groups and and then how does that get hardened into this idea that um, shooting up a school is is the answer. You, you know, read manifestos from school shooters? Uh, yeah, some. some Who's? Um, Elliot Rogers, I think, was uh, available, and I read that. 
there is a very also a very long um, report, uh, not exactly a manifesto, but a report for the Uvalde uh, shooting. And the whole first half of that report is looking at the individual and, you know, looking at the steps that they took, but also where they came from. Uh, and then the, you know, it, then the report gets into the reactions of the law enforcement. What is that like, like reading it? Uh, it is, well, it's, I found it um, interesting because it was something I was writing about and uh, thinking about. It It was also um, something that like stuck with me and I did occasionally get kind of noticed after the fact that I was getting um, burnt out, I guess is the word, but mm -hmm. I stuck, um, uh, was carrying it around with me all day, uh, you know, and so I, I had to like, to take a, some breaks, uh, you know, but reading about all this um, stuff, like the childhood, you know, child, how childhood, childhood adversity is related to later um, falling in with an extremist group or kind of developing that in, in your own person. Um, the more I was reading about that, the more I was thinking about who I was, like who I just mm -hmm. described myself as. as a so kid. did you relate to it? Um, parts of it yeah, yeah, parts of it I did um, relate to. Um, while while also acknowledging how like how narrowly I feel like I escaped um, maybe going down that path. Or I think a lot of us little little things could have been different. Oh yeah, I could have become a different person. I think a lot of people can see themselves becoming. That's the scary thing of becoming a certain way if just little things had been different in their lives. Yeah. And, and so the writing then, like, in, in later drafts, uh, was, was really just trying to acknowledge, like, how um, volatile and also kind of fragile adolescence is and you know, how much you're changing. Mm -hmm. So how do you go from, like, whittling down little weapons to going into poetry? Like, did you ever use your anger in the poems? When you're in middle school, um, yeah, I, I I think so. Definitely to myself, um, writing writing for myself. I was also a kind of ferocious journaler and uh, wrote in my own journal for myself, um, and that was quite angry. Yeah, I bet that helped though. Instead of like yeah. internalizing it, absolutely. Uh, I think I think it did. Although I didn't really, I don't think I was doing it for that purpose i was just like yeah i had all this energy and then i was also kind of getting into writing and so it was just doing it a lot um, but yeah of course it, it it ended up being kind of um soothing or or helpful yeah did yeah. you ever use the weapons on other people uh my little brother yeah <laughs> what <laughs> uh well like i like i remember throwing a javelin like holy shit spear yeah you threw a javelin at your brother did it like stab him did he have to go to the hospital no no I, I is he into poetry no um well i mean i think he enjoys it but he, he's he doesn't write uh he teaches english in madrid oh that's cool yeah is he okay with being a thing throw a javelin at no, I, I don't think he was okay with this. <laughs> but did they find like weapons like in your school bags or anything when you were a kid? No, no. Teachers, that's probably a good thing. Because I remember like that was like around the time that like 
Columbine had happened, but it was like post Columbine, like a few years after. And everyone was just freaking out about that, but it wasn't like widely known. It wasn't as wide as it is now where like it happens every few months. Yeah. Do you remember those times? Because you described those, some of those times in the book. I mean, that's what we've been talking about. Uh, what times? Specifically? Like when you're a kid and like everyone was freaking out about the guns and stuff. Like we didn't have any, like we didn't have like gun drills, but we definitely had tornado drills. It was like kind of the shift from tornado to gun drills. Yeah. I, um, you know, really thinking about it, I, I don't remember my middle school that I went to or my high school having a lot of that. We had, we had like one um, police officer in our school. I think we had, I, I don't think we had metal detectors. I don't know when that really entered the conversation for me. But it was probably different going from going to school than teaching middle school. Yeah. When, Did you when see I, Will Rogers? Yeah. When I, when I was a teacher there, I, I definitely started to become more aware of, um, you know, the, the conversation about what, what schools should do after um, a school shooting and aware also of um, what it meant for the students to have people like police officers in the school for to have, you know, we, we talk about um, hardening the entrances uh, of the, the school or increasing surveillance um, or police presence uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, really reckoning, you know, I was a young kid. I was a young kid. I was like 22 uh, just starting to like think about this stuff and how, how that really messes with, you know, what the meaning of the school is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it, you know, and, and who it affects. Um, you know, I don't think I thought about it a lot as a kid myself, cause I was growing up in, in Burlington, Vermont, um, you know, which is not the same as Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever start your own press? Um, I thought about it. I wouldn't know where to begin, honestly. Yeah, I think that's like most people feel. <laughs> yeah, you know, people who go do that, I've met a few of them. Um, great for them. I, I don't really know how I would start. <laughs> Maybe you could talk to Lucy since she started her own. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm i curious about it. I just haven't really, like, asked the right questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. But you've started your own magazine. Would you start your own magazine, I guess? I think it would be similar. That would be a little easier, I think, because you could do it online. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a desire to do that. Are you always going to stay in poetry, or do you ever feel like going and like starting a novel or starting like a book of essays? Um, I, I've written some essays, uh, and I've done some interviews with poets, um, which I really enjoy doing. Um, the, the thing I'm working on now, and it's sort of, I'm still in the explorative phase is I wouldn't call it poetry exactly, but I'm just sort of writing <laughs> maybe just something like, more like an essay. It's like journaling. Sort of. I'm, I'm still, there's still a lot of stuff about, um, the pigs that interests me. Yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to write about, um, you know, white power groups and education and uh, police. And I'm not quite sure how to do it. So I'm. St- I'm. I'm. I'm in that phase of like writing a hundred pages, throwing it away, and writing another. <laughs> Yeah, pages from a different angle and throwing it away. So, would you ever do like a Gonzo journalism thing where you like you went inside like a white power group? Absolutely not. No. no. <laughs> from from what I've heard, that that is not a uh, safe or fun thing to do. It's what have you heard? Um, I you know it's just it's really dangerous, and you have to 
you have to give up your entire life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> have you read from journalists who have tried that? There are there are a few. Like if you, I I can't give you like any um, links. I don't remember them, but you you can definitely find them. Um, I don't think it was Huff Post, but um, there's a recent one that I remember reading that, that was interesting. So why did white power groups interest you? Um, they, well, like I started reading about, um, you know, school shootings and it is always sort of in the, in the background. Um, I've, you know, of, of those, uh, school shooters and, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily uh, white power groups uh, or domestic terrorism, but it was also early on reading about um, incel culture, these sort of um, masculine versions of masculinity that I felt were really um, damaging. Uh, and dangerous and Mm -hmm. um, I had written a book about my mother and it was a really personal book and I wanted to write something else um, something that was a little more in touch with the world a little Mm -hmm. more political um, and you know that's kind of where I landed um, thinking about um, masculinity and kind of noticing just that what felt like a very um, decades-long movement uh, of growing domestic terror in Mm -hmm. in the United States that just kept seemingly getting ignored. Uh, Yeah. um, Do you think, you don't have to answer this, but like if you, do you think if your mom wouldn't have died, you wouldn't have gone into poetry? I have no idea. Um, yeah. No idea. I, I've thought about that, and I don't know if you can ever compare your life with what might have happened. Uh, yeah. You know, like, you know, any anything, <laughs> anything could have happened if uh, yeah. she stayed alive i could have i could have been any number of different people um kathleen uh Ballou ha- has this book called bring the war home uh which is was a really interesting book to read kind of going back to the conversation about white power and stuff like that white power groups and, and it's interesting uh, that you you came to tulsa though because of the uh tulsa race massacre and all that and the yeah. history there yeah. have you ever looked into that um, I lived in the Greenwood district uh, wow. when I was in, in Tulsa and I visited the Greenwood Cultural Center. Um, was, so you were right there by OSU Tulsa? Yeah. Yep. Where did you where did you live by? You said Fourth and Lewis? Yeah. Damn. I don't know even if that building exists anymore. Um, oh, it no, it's still there. Building. I think it got bought by Tulsa University. Which was it? The Greenwood Cultural Center? Yeah. Yeah, it's still there. They like Oh, that is still there. Yeah. Um I was talking about my apartment on Fourth and Lewis. <laughs> oh, they might have, yeah. That's very possible. I mean that place that around there has a lot of ha- has had a lot of growth over the past ten years because mm-hmm. they've really built up the downtown mm-hmm. area. You know yeah, you should... Ron Paget? Oh yeah. Yeah, he lived right in that neighborhood as well. Oh, he did? They probably yeah. oh, have like a memorial house soon. Do they? Do they have like a little sign that says like Ron lived here? I don't, as far as I know, they don't. Oh, that's looked um, up. They don't have a little plaque for Ron. <laughs> I mean, he's a pretty big deal. They, you think they would? I think his, his dad was like a, like a famous, like, um, he sold like, uh, whiskey, but it wasn't like, what do you call it when it's not like legal? Uh, moonshine. Yeah, he was a famous like moonshine like criminal. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. 
Yeah. Would you ever come back to Tulsa just for like a reading? I would love to. I would love to. You should totally do that. So why is your friend here? Uh, she's just visiting. I think she's bringing a friend to Tulsa. Are they poets? No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's been almost an hour. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Or do you have any other questions that you want me to ask you? Uh, I don't think so. It's gone surprisingly quickly. Yeah, it has. Do you have any other... I saw these books came in different colors. Why Why the different various colors? Um, different. They're just different colors uh, for the different authors. Oh, I thought they were like different colors of your book. Yeah. I like the purple. Thanks. Appreciate it's very that. simple. Yeah. So why do you choose no illustrations on the front? Uh, that's that's Matt's style. Mm -hmm. The Dead Mall Press style. Yeah. So how did you get in contact with them? That was uh, sort you know, so I had the pigs uh, as a manuscript. I was thinking about what to do with it. I didn't want to send it out to contests. Um, again, I, I had that bad taste in my mouth from boat press and just I wasn't really interested in um, submitting it to different places, although I was I was just trying to find spots that I really thought would take it and and like it. So I was, I was reading a lot. I was, um, and I found Dead Mall Press and I was reading about Matt and reading his work. And I just, I felt like it could be a good fit. So I, I emailed him and just asked like, Hey, this is what the book is about. Here it is. Would you be interested? Um, and he went with it. And so, you know, the end of the story is just kind of easy. Like he, I reached out to him, he reached back to me, and, and it worked out. One of the lines that I really liked in the book was like, why can't joy last like the feeling of pain, like when you're pressing a pen into your knee? Because yeah. you can kind of remember the pain throughout your life, but like joy doesn't last like that. Mm. I really like that uh, sentiment right there. Yeah, thanks. So how do you come up with lines like, I mean, when you come up with a line like that, is that taken through other lines? Or do you just like, oh, I finally have this perfect sentence that I'm going to use? Well, I guess you kind of talked about whittling away at like a bigger piece. Yeah, I, I think that's a hard question for me to answer. Some some lines, uh, I guess, if I'm, if I'm thinking like in terms of those sentences, none of the none of the sentences in the book are, are very long and you actually like picked out one of the longer ones. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it either, I either arrive at that line through, you know, writing really quickly and kind of riffing on these different ideas and different ways of writing the sentence until I find one that I like and, uh, or, or just kind of coming up with it and, liking it in its first iteration. Um, but a lot of how I work is just re I guess, rewriting the sentence over and over again Yeah, yeah. in a slightly different way, <laughs> trying to say one thing a little differently or yeah. So when you're starting out in middle school, what poets did you gravitate towards? Oh, I think the first poet that I was really, um, the two poets that I really inter interested me were Mary Oliver and E.E. E. Cummings. And how did you find out about them? I think they were just given to me. Are uh, like teachers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, after that, I, I want to say, uh, I might see it if I like look around my bookshelf. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a very good memory <laughs> of yeah. uh, specific things, but I do remember getting a E. Cummings book and a Mary Oliver book, um, and there was a poet uh, that I knew in Vermont 
that I met many, many times kind of going to different readings named Jeff Hewitt. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually kind of a funny story thinking about Tulsa. He's like good friends with Ron Padgett. Wow. Ron Padgett would go back to Vermont like every year and him and Jeff would like pal around. Um, and I just learned last week that Jeff Hewitt knows some, a lot of other poets from central New York. Like he studied with Hayden Carruth. He knew A.R. Ammons. Uh, uh, who else? Um, so, so this like friendly, wonderful poet that I knew in Vermont, like ends up knowing all these people I'll later meet and like read. Uh, and I remember Jeff giving me this poem uh, called, it was like a sonnet written by Ron Pandit. It was 14 lines, nothing in this drawer, nothing in this drawer, nothing in this drawer for 14 lines. And when he first gave me the poem, uh, Jeff said the the final line of the poem was apples. Hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, what a cool poem. I love Ron Padgett. Uh, uh, And then I meet Ron Padgett later in Tulsa when he comes to a reading. And that's where I learned that he knows Jeff Hewitt. And I say, like, we're kind of standing off to the side. I'm like, Ron, um, you know, Jeff Hewitt's really important to me. And he gave me this poem or he like told me this poem a long time ago, nothing in this story, nothing in this story. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. And I'm like, and I love the last line apples. Mm -hmm. And when I said that to Ron, he's like, that's not the last line of the poem. (laughs) It just ends nothing in this drawer. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So he just like played a 15 year long prank on me. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. You met Ron Padgett though. Yeah, yeah. He's a lovely guy. So what was he like? Just a kind, quiet guy. He came and did a reading. It was when his um, collected books came out, or his collected poems. Yeah. Did you get a signature or anything? I think so. It's right here. I hope I did. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, he signed it, a good lad, and then in parentheses, and apples. Oh, nice. Yeah. So when you think of your book as the pigs, do you think you're like whittling it down like a knife, like when you're a middle schooler? Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah, a little bit. I kind of think of it as um, pruning more, um, which is a much like uh, healthier form of uh, cutting and whittling. Um, but the prune, you know, pruning away the things that I don't think are helping it grow and then trying to nurture and grow the things that I want to keep. And then you throw it like a javelin out yeah. into the world. <laughs> then I <laughs> throw it at the audience. Yeah. So what fight, like, do you remember any specific fights that you got into as a kid? Uh, specific ones? Like in school? Did you punch him um, in the face? Yeah, I did. You did? Did yeah. you win that fight? I don't. I don't remember. I remember uh, getting in trouble. Um, do you remember getting punched in the face? Because I remember that's a very like specific memory. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's so long ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I I so do many start, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it it really was when I was say elementary school and uh early middle school do you have add no oh okay because i didn't think a lot of add kids get into fights and shit oh i I don't know that (laughs) okay Um, all right so we got three minutes left two minutes anything you want to add no i i really appreciate you um setting up the interview Oh no problem, man. This was yep. enjoy. I really enjoyed this. And yeah. also, we're doing we're doing an online reading, I think in a week or two.